0: Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts.
1: Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is May traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com
0: slash podcast.
1: There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police the arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. A of murder dangerous men can lurk anywhere. On October 29, 1865, a man wandering freely managed to take the lives of at least three individuals without detection. A man who blended in and was not a suspect until he got impatient and started sending letters to the grieving. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. John Frank Hickey, born October 29, 1865, was raised in Lowell, Massachusetts by Irish immigrants. Much later in life, John would claim that he spent his childhood being physically abused by his father. Though little else is known about his young life, we do know that, in his early years, John joined Lowell's first congregational church and, at some point, became an official of the Lowell YMCA and the Christian Endeavor not necessarily a man who the town would expect to be a child molester and, later, a serial killer. On September 1st, 1883, in what would be his first known murder, 18-year-old John contacted the local police and told them that he had just found the body of 34-year-old pharmacist, Edwin W. Morey, lying on the floor of McGibbon's Drugstore. Both employees at the shop John claimed that Edwin had been despondent for quite some time and had descended deeply into his alcoholism. Though he claimed he tried to help his co-worker with his sobriety, the strain must have been too much and, according to the doctors, Edwin had taken poison to try and end his life. A stomach pump was brought in and, though there were some initial signs of life, he was pronounced dead shortly after 3 a.m. Years later, when John was finally arrested for his crimes— he would admit to administering laudanum to Edwin Morey out of fear that, if their employer found out that he was drunk at work, both men would be fired. Not long after John killed Edwin, with no one suspecting a thing, he was able to apply and earn membership to Lowell's William North Masonic Lodge in 1887. By 1889, he was a master mason, and though there is some debate and exaggerations of his ranking within the group, as well as when exactly he left, John was arrested in March of 1895 after being caught stealing 20 gallons of alcohol from his employer. In response, the Grand Lodge of Massachusetts ruled that he was a, quote, liar and profane, and expelled him from, quote, all the rights and privileges of Freemasonry on June 12, 1895. The following year, John Hickey left Lowell, and between then and 1902, drifted around parts of Canada and the northeastern U.S., working various industrial jobs. Then, on December 10, 1902, he came into contact with 11-year-old Michael R. Kruk. Working as a newspaper vendor, the boy tried to sell John his wares, and he responded that he would purchase all of his inventory if the boy would just come with him to Central Park. The boy unfortunately agreed, and once in a more secluded location, John grabbed him and strangled him to death. Left with the newspaper bundle under his head, when young Michael's body was found, they ruled that he had been strangled to death by, quote, some person or persons unknown, but that thankfully, he didn't appear to have suffered from sexual assault. On October 12, 1911, while working as a steel plant supervisor in Lackawanna, New York, John noticed seven-year-old Joey Joseph playing at his father's nearby furnishing store. He later found him playing in some puddles with a friend and seizing the opportunity. John motioned the boys over to him. He gave Joey a few pennies and told him to buy himself some candy for him and his friend. But when the young boy returned, John abruptly told the friend that it was time for him to go home. John then took Joey by the hand and led him to an outhouse just behind a saloon, where he strangled him to the point of unconsciousness, sexually assaulted him, and then strangled him again, but this time until he took a final breath. He then dumped the small body into the outhouse pit and walked away as if nothing had happened. Joey Joseph was quickly reported missing by his father and a full-scale search for the boy began while they agonized over where exactly the young boy was, John Hickey sent suspicion straight in his direction when he began sending letters and postcards to the police and Joey's parents, describing the heinous crime in detail and expressing his remorse. Though the empathy was likely faked and John likely enjoyed the control he felt holding the secrets of Joey's crime and the investigation right in the palm of his hands, the letters and cards earned him the moniker of the postcard killer. Then, on October 30th, 1911, a postcard came in and was delivered to the police chief that read, Joseph Joseph will be found in the bottom of a water closet with three seats, back of the saloon near Doyle's on Ridge Road. A drunk, crazed brain done the deed, and remorse and sorrow for the parents is bringing results that will soon come to an end. The demon whiskey will then have one more victim, making four in all. Drag the closet with the three seats. The following day, Joey's remains were unearthed not far from his home, and with no real lead outside of the taunting letters, police published copies of the postcards in the local newspaper. Almost immediately, several people came forward recognizing the handwriting as belonging to the eccentric drunkard, John Frank Hickey, and he was quickly arrested and brought in for questioning. It wasn't long before John confessed to the three murders, as well as a long list of sexual assaults, against young children. Though he only claims he killed three, Joey Joseph, Michael Crook, and Edwin W. Morey, many suspect that he is responsible for the lives of at least 12 individuals during the two decades he roamed the New England area. Unfortunately, due to the fact that two other serial killers were active in the same general area around the same time period, Albert Fish and Peter Kudzanowski, both previously covered on this show, It's difficult to determine who exactly killed who. In the end, John Hickey was charged with first-degree murder, but was instead found guilty of second-degree. He was sentenced to life in prison on November 29, 1912, and died on May 8, 1922. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to A Terrible Thing Happened on October 30th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it.